Hello, and welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so glad you're joining us. My name is Kim Menninger, and as a women's leadership coach and a lifelong sufferer of imposter syndrome, this topic is really important to me. I have heard so many imposter syndrome stories from the women around me. The crippling self-doubt, the feelings of being a fraud, the fear of speaking up, the disconnect from others. I've also heard the inspiring ways in which women have managed these feelings, the ways in which they've stood up to self-doubt, sought out support, and come through on the other side. I started this podcast because I want to share these stories with you. Too many of us suffer in silence. We feel alone and ashamed of our feelings, which makes them even more powerful. I wanted to create a space where women could share their experiences and release the burden of what we often carry around as a deep, dark secret. I also wanted a place where everyone could hear from others and recognize, hey, I'm not alone. Imposter syndrome is a real thing, and there are steps that I can take to rise above it. I hope that as you listen, you'll find support and comfort in what you hear. And if you're feeling brave and motivated to do so, I hope you'll someday share your story with us. Welcome. I'm very excited to have you here today. And I just want to remind our listeners that we have the option on this show to remain anonymous if you do not want to identify yourself by name. So that being said, I want to invite you to share whatever you are comfortable with and to our listeners today. Hi. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about a topic that's very important to a lot of people and also throughout the industry right now. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So do you want to give us just a little bit of high-level background on what you do and how you fit into the larger The big picture. Um, well, I have been in the IT industry now for, oh my gosh, I, I'm afraid to say how many years. Uh, it would be plus 40. And um, I've done all types of things. I started out as a, as a developer and worked my way through senior developer and analyst and project manager, program manager. Uh, I'm now an executive project manager for a large IT firm. I've enjoyed project management, but as I was going through some of the training uh, as a manager, I, I stumbled upon emotional intelligence and I started to really focus on emotional intelligence and gathered several certifications in that area. So now I coach people, um, executive coaching, uh, group coaching, and I focus on emotional intelligence coaching as well and training. So that's where I found my my, my sweet spot, that's what really lights my fire, or turns my light on, is to be able to coach people, help people to achieve their goals, identify their goals first, mm. and then work to achieve their goals, identify self-limiting beliefs that might be holding them back, and help them put together a plan to get them on track. Wonderful. So I think that ties very nicely to this conversation we're having today about imposter syndrome, which comes up for many of us when we are trying to achieve our goals or advance to the next level, 
What does imposter syndrome mean to you? And what I mean by that is, you know, how has it affected you, if at all, throughout your own career? What, what do you think about when you think about this term imposter syndrome? Well, um, I, I, I looked up the term and I, I did a little, a little bit of research around this because I, I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I, my meaning was in line with what your meaning uh, was. But I think when I think of imposter syndrome, I think of self-doubt. I think of um, not feeling you're good enough, not feeling you measure up, all that negative head trash that's bouncing around in your head that keeps you from taking that step or being assertive or doing what you need to do to what they call a ring your own bell, mm-hmm. so to speak. Absolutely. Yes. I, I see it that way too. It's really that sense that I'm a fraud, right? I don't belong here. People think I am more qualified than I am. And that fundamentally comes down to the stories we tell ourselves and the beliefs, like you said, that we have about ourselves. Has this impacted you at all throughout your career? Um, I would say on many different levels at different times. Um, As I was going through the project management career progression, you know, am I ready for a senior project management role? Am I ready to, or do I I have the courage to tell all these um, architects and developers what to do and be in charge. So a lot of times it was, it was, I had to find a way to encourage myself to build some courage to step out. And each time it was fine. But if I had listened to those voices in my head that told me I wasn't good enough and you don't belong here. um, And then a a lot of times I'm the only girl in the room. Mm. And so guys are, I have to now report to a female mm-hmm. and that took a different type of courage to just, you know, stand my ground and make sure I knew my material because, you know, you get those thoughts in your mind that you're a fraud and you don't know what you're doing. So the best way to combat that was to study up and be mm-hmm. prepared. And then um, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm actually experiencing something today because I just got a, Uh, a notification that um, I need to do like a job interview this afternoon. Uh, Over the course of the last few years, I've been looking for a different role within my company and my manager has been helping me look around. So he gave me a quick call this morning and said, you know, I got something set up for you. Can you do it today? Can you talk to this guy today? It's in a hurry. You need to get this time. This is a vice president. You need to talk to him. And I'm like, okay, I stayed calm. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> and then when I hang up the phone, I, I got to do some homework real quick. I got to see who I'm in, been interviewing with, what they care about. So this is the part, the way that I combat the imposter syndrome is to be prepared, to get ready, to start thinking about how I'm going to build my story and, and come across confident with whomever my audience is. Mm. So it sounds like for you, preparation is an important part of standing up to imposter syndrome and keeping it from undermining you and keeping it from stopping you from doing what it is that you want to do. When we talk about preparation, 
that can be a slippery slope for women because women often have a tendency to over prepare <laughs> and we can get stuck in preparation mode. We can get into a state of I'm just not done yet. I have a little bit more preparing to do and then a little bit more preparing to do. What's your experience with that and have you found ways to manage that? Well, that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I had to do a talk about a month or two ago on perfectionism. And I, up until that point, you know, and, and in, before I did that research, I was like, okay, I'm a perfectionist. And I thought that was a good thing. Um, but I have learned over time that being a perfectionist can actually be a stumbling block. You you never quite feel you're ready. You never quite feel it's done. I had courses I was developing, but when are they ready? When do I press the button to publish them? So I have to be aware of that. And I have met people in my life who have said, no when enough is enough. No when it's good enough to go. And so, um, and one example they use was uh, Microsoft. When they publish a new product, they, they put it out there. And then in a few weeks, you got version two, then you got version three, then you got version four. And you're like, well, why didn't you just wait till you had it ready? But that's not it. You got to get it out there. And then once you start getting some feedback, that can help you actually improve. But they're not afraid of finding a bug because they know they can fix it. So it keeps, it keeps the energy going. But if they wait till it's perfect, we would never get anything. I love that analogy too, because if they waited till it was perfect, their competition would also race right past them. Right. So that's something that we as women have to be mindful of too. And we hear this a lot with women who say, oh, I was thinking about saying this out loud. I kept questioning myself and then someone else said it and got all of the credit for it. Right. So it's very similar to your analogy as we, we perfect, we polish, we obsess in our own minds about getting it just right. And then when we feel ready, the moment has passed. So we really yeah. do have to find that delicate balance between quality and efficiency. Yes. Yes. E even my manager said this morning, we got to jump on this. I don't want to, I, we got to do this this week. I, I, you know, so he's trying, he's preventing me from saying, well, can I put it off a week? No, let's get this done. So we settled on, if he can do it this afternoon, I'll, I'm going to make sure I'm ready. <laughs> That's great. And the other thing, and I don't know if this is true for you, but for me anyway, I'd rather do it this afternoon than to worry about it all week. <laughs> There's a certain amount of preparation that you want to have time for. You probably don't want your boss calling you and saying, come in here now. He's waiting for you. <laughs> but I think time can also be our enemy because the more time we have to worry, the more this perfectionism starts to kick in and we start to yeah. overanalyze. And the doubt comes, mm -hmm. you know, you have just too much time to think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you this afternoon. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned you love coaching other people. How often do you see this in others? Is this something that comes up a lot? Um, yes, it is. Uh, I've had 
just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was I was talking with a young man and he very intelligent architect, you know, and he's he's got all the self-confidence. But then he, he, he leans into the camera and he goes, people just don't understand me, you know, and, I, and I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And he just he goes on about how nobody wants to talk to him and he feels left out and why am I even here? They don't care about me. And, and so he's got all this head trash going on. And, and, and although he feels confident in what he knows, he still has no confidence in himself as a person of value. Mm. And so we, we had to talk about, okay, how do you, first of all, envision yourself as doing what you think you need to do to get everybody to be part of the group. And then we talked about, okay, baby steps. What can you do to get yourself on that path? And so we, we just talked about how, you know, first of all, he had a wonderful smile, but he never smiles at work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in order to be part of something, you have to make, you have to know how to engage with people. So we, we spent some time talking about how to engage, how to break the ice, how to find something in common with others. And, and, and it helped him to, you know, he had that fraud piece going on because he was thinking, I, they, they, don't, they don't understand me, I don't belong here. And I talked to him about that whole thing around um, just like me, where in order to stop object, object, objectifying people, you have to start to see them as humans just like you who have cares, who have fears, who have ambitions. We're all alike. And if we can find something in common, that sort of breaks the ice for us to see each other as human. So when you walk into the room, I go, oh, that's John. His son goes to the same school as mine. Or that's that's Bob. We went to the same college or we had the same instructor. Once you find something in common, it starts to help you break down some of the barriers and you can start to build relationships, which I think then leads to you feeling more part of something and not so much a fraud or or that you don't belong. I absolutely love that. I think that's so true. And you and I have talked about this on previous calls too, that when you feel like you're an only, whatever that means, when you're an only in a room, it's really intimidating and it does a number on your confidence. And I often think about the fact that organizations would benefit tremendously from having more connectedness and a sense of belonging among their employees. But I don't know that we can wait for them to create that change. I don't know who them is in that situation, right? Whose responsibility is it to create that change? There are certain leadership behaviors that foster that sense of belonging more so than others. But fundamentally, I think we as individuals have a great opportunity to drive our own sense of connectedness and belonging. And that's exactly what you're describing by asking this man to think about what connects him to the other people in the room, even if that one particular trait that he's referring to that people don't understand him for, that may 
divide him in some way or make him feel different. But there are so many other things that probably unite him with the others. And so instead of focusing on that one thing that makes him different, how do we find those connection points so we do feel that sense of community and belonging? Yes. And that's why I talked to him about that just like me, because that helps you to stop seeing people as objects and to start to see them as humans, just like yourself. And then that sort of opens up that door to finding something we may have in common. I love that. I think that's so great. Is there anything else that you see as triggers for imposter syndrome, either for yourself or for others in corporate environments today? Well, um, something else that comes up all the time is what they call um, psychological safety. And we, we, we coach a lot of, of the managers around making sure that your team feels safe enough to speak up, to share their opinion, that we don't um, kill the messenger. Uh, we don't give the message that failure is not allowed because the research has proven that by failing, that's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to innovate, be creative, keep going. But if we, we have the mindset on the team that you cannot fail, don't ask a stupid question, you're stifling people. And, and, and so that, that, that brings about that fraud syndrome because they're like, well, I can't say anything until I am sure that I am right or that it's the right thing or I'm with the right group. So people are holding back. And it's the leader who has to make sure the team feels safe, that they have to, that they feel that they can share and that if it's wrong, let's talk about why it's wrong and and take the opportunity for me to learn something. You're, you're absolutely right. And as individuals, because we are wired for self-preservation, we don't draw distinctions between massive failures and small failures. Uh, And so for us, when we feel threatened, when we feel like we're in an unsafe environment, we shut down no matter what the perceived threat is, right? So having a manager who's unsupportive or who makes it feel like we can't contribute to the conversation without receiving some form of backlash is going to stifle our creativity. It's going to be a, make us less likely to engage. And the company is going to lose out on all the great benefits that that individual or team has to offer. And, and we've got, right, uh, right now we've got, uh, I don't know, a whole set of management, of, a large group of management that believes so much in command and control. I have to tell you what to think. I have to tell you how to think it. I hired you for your wonderful brain, but I need to tell you how to use it and when to apply it. And so we're trying to shift people from that mindset. It's, it's a mind shift that's needed in our management community to open up the thinking, to let people be more open with their fear. And I think this is where Agile comes in because Agile is all about empowering the team. Mm-hmm. And so it's all sort of coming together, the 
psychological safety, the perfectionism, the imposter syndrome, all of it's coming together to try to help people be more confident in what they have to say, have our managers be more open to allow people to be, you know, to feel safe that they can say and, 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 and learn that failure is a good thing. Conflict is a good thing because we grow when we do those things, when we go through those things. You're right. And I always say that if you're not experiencing self-doubt ever, you're probably a little too comfortable. Ooh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> if, because if you're really, really confident, how challenged are you? Yeah. Nothing is pushing you to that creative level. You feel that you've done it all. So you will. That's where that whole growth mindset comes in. You should always be learning something new, doing something new, keeping your mind open to new ideas. Exactly. I'm curious, you haven't shared the specifics of where you are in the industry, but I know where you are. And I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of progress, because you do work for a big company and it's been around for a while. Are you seeing progress? Are people actually walking the walk where you are? I see that a major culture change is needed. And I, I know that culture change is always hard. So we have champions who are pushing this idea forward and they're trying to get everybody going and thinking, but they also have to temper that with the understanding that change is major for people and getting them to shift their mindset, both the management to be more open and allow the team to have more control for the teams to say, Oh, wow, I do have more control and to step up and be more, um, in charge or, or more responsible rather than saying, I'm, I'm going to wait till the manager tells me what to do. That way he owns it. But if now I'm empowered and I decide then I have more responsibility. So it's a culture change and it's going to take time. I think all we can do is talk about it and try and get it in, in motion and show people examples and give them opportunities to try it and keep challenging people, but it's going to take, it's going to take time. Are you optimistic? Well, um, I, I, can, I, I am so encouraged. I want this, all of this command and control has to be fixed. This browbeating and, and um, micromanaging is not good. I know that's not good. And I, I, I'm, welcoming any opportunity to address that, whatever it looks like. Um, agile is a, is a buzzword right now. They're trying to apply agile to everything. And I don't believe agile applies to everything, but it's a great opportunity to investigate and see if it applies to whatever you're doing. And so there's a great opportunity here to improve, especially with our younger people coming into the to the, to the business and to the industry, they're coming with different ideas and they want to feel safe. They want to share their ideas. They want to be open. And if there's too much command and control, they move on. I agree with you. I think 
there a lot of hope lies with the younger generations right now because they really didn't grow up in a command and control model of any kind. <laughs> that is not a system that's natural for them. And because they're so such a large motivated population, I'm really hopeful that as they continue to take on increasing levels of leadership, that we will start to see even greater progress than we already have. I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody. If imposter syndrome were not an issue for you, and you had 100% confidence 100% of the time, what would be different for you? Is there anything that you would do or would not do going forward? Oh, gosh. Well, see, when you say 100% confidence 100% of the time, uh, I think there's a balance there because that starts to sound a little narcissistic to me. Um, but I, I would love to have a bit more self-confidence. I would love to be able to shut down some of those, some of that noise in my head that right away steps in and says, are you ready? Are you sure? And I have to say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm sure I'm going. So it, it is a constant conversation. So if I didn't have that constant conversation, I may, I may be able to move a little bit faster. Mm. Um, I may have raised my hand a little bit more often and I might be in a different place if I had been more aggressive about pick me, you know, but I'll never know. So there's no need in beating myself up about that. But I do, I can apply what I just said to this opportunity that's coming up. Yes. That this interview that's coming up, I want to walk into that saying, this is what I have done. This is why I can be of value to you, you know, and because I have done a lot of things and I do have people that say, I, you know, go for it. You're ready. And so I have to remember all that and keep that in front of mind when I go to my next challenge. Exactly. And you mentioned the conversation that you have to have with yourself. The good news is you're having the conversation and you're winning. Right? That voice is not winning. So it may slow us down a little bit, but at the end of the day, one of the things that I really truly believe is that imposter syndrome does have a hidden gift to it. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, if you never felt any self-doubt, you're probably not growing. If you are feeling that twinge of anxiety, of self-doubt, it means you're stretching yourself. It means you're continuing to grow and challenge yourself. So as long as you keep having that conversation and keeping those beliefs at bay, I really believe that's our most effective way to manage this whole experience is to just not let that inner critic or that voice that's asking us those questions to stop us from doing what we want to do. I agree. So what motivated you to want to tell your story today? What are you hoping that people will take away from it? Um, I'm just hoping that it resonates with someone. Someone hears the story and goes, yeah, that's me. I've been, you know, I have those, those thoughts. I have those challenges and I can also, you know, address them when they come up, shut them up, push them aside. Let them know who's in charge in my head. Um, 
but also recognize that, you know, they, they do cause me to think and say, okay, are you prepared? Is there one more article I need to read? Is there one more um, person I need to talk to? So they help me keep it in check. They're not bad. They are just um, something you might need to check off. You know, it keeps you honest and it keeps you from getting too narcissistic about I'm perfect because nobody is. So it, it keeps me growing. It keeps me challenged. So I'm hoping that that's the message that people hear in my story that, you know, we can all address these things. They don't have to beat us. That, that one young man that I was talking to who's standing on the side of the room holding his cup of coffee and everybody else is talking and buzzing around him. I hope that when I spoke to him, it gave him the encourage, be encouraged to go out, say your name, say who you are. How, why are you here? You know, be, engage people. And you, you'll be smiling inside that you made it happen. That's such a great message. I am so grateful to you for taking the time to share your story with us. And I want to wish you the best of luck in your conversation this afternoon. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. I've been, I've been trying to get into some opportunity with this group. And so this is a great, a great opportunity to talk to them and, and not freak out. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a great game plan. So I will be looking forward to hearing how it goes. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to share and learn from you today. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with other women who can benefit from this conversation. Before we go, I want to share some additional resources with you. If you struggle with this, with imposter syndrome and you want to manage it more effectively, I invite you to join my free imposter syndrome online challenge. Every day for seven days, you'll get an email with self-reflection questions and exercises to help you better understand your own experience with imposter syndrome and how to navigate it more effectively. To join the free challenge, visit executivecareersuccess.com slash imposter dash syndrome dash challenge. When you sign up, you'll immediately receive your first message. Also, if you're interested in joining a community of women who engage in candid conversations that generally aren't happening elsewhere, I invite you to join my leading women discussion group. On the first and third Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern, we meet virtually over Zoom to talk about questions or challenges related to career management, leadership development, and any other relevant topics such as imposter syndrome and confidence. It's always a great discussion with a great group of women. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to be my guest on a future call. Just reach out to me at kim at executivecareersuccess.com and I will share the call details with you. And if you want to join my newsletter to receive tips, insights, and updates, text leading women, all one word, to 66866. Finally, consider telling us your story. Contact me to learn more about how you can be a guest on the Imposter Syndrome Files. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.